Our text for this morning's meditation is from, our, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, our Gospel reading, Behold, your King is coming to you. So our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us learn here from the Gospel. So Martin Luther preaching back on this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent in 1522. Let us learn here from the gospel what happens when God begins to change us, when God begins to change us into the likeness of him. And what is the beginning? The beginning of holiness. For there is no other beginning, there is no other beginning than that your king comes to you and begins to work within you. For you do not seek him. He seeks you. You do not find him. He finds you. And your faith does not come from you, but your faith comes from him. So wherever your king does not come, you must stay outside. And where there is no gospel, there is no God, but sheer sin and destruction. Therefore, don't ask where to begin a godly life, for there is no beginning but where this King, this King, Jesus Christ, comes and is preached. So Martin Luther, way back in 1522, 499 years ago today, and so our text for us this Sunday, the reason why the the season of Advent always begins with a retelling of Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. For there on Palm Sunday, the true king of Israel, the son of David, prophesied to sit on the throne of David forever. There on Palm Sunday, the true king of Israel was riding into the capital city of his true people, the Israelites. And here we should point out who, in fact, the Israelites were. For the Israelites were not a people who sought for God and found him found him through the person of Moses, who as some sort of charismatic leader led a rebellion of the Israelites, a rebellion of the Israelites over against their Egyptian overlords, and successfully leading that people through the wilderness to the land of Canaan, which they conquered and then possessed, declared themselves to be the people of God. No, no. The children of Israel were a creation of God. A creation of God beginning with one man, Abraham, whose child Isaac was born miraculously to his mother and father according to the promise made to them by God. It's God then who through Isaac and then Jacob with whom he wrestled and then gave the name Israel, one who wrestles or fights with God, that God established the 12 tribes of Israel, his people, his nation, God's people. So when the very Son of God became man, the very Son of God become man, Jesus Christ, rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, humbly on a donkey, it was a moment where the Son of God was coming openly and humbly to the people he created, to the people of God. 
coming to them to bring to them in himself the righteousness and holiness and blessedness that he was and that he is. And we note this. We note this every year on the first Sunday of the church year, the first Sunday of Advent, for that is what Christ still does. He still does, yet again and again and again for each and every one of us. It is Christ who, having worked faith in our hearts through his Holy Spirit, who washed and regenerated and renewed us when we were baptized into him. It is Christ who comes to us through his word and sacrament as our king to come and reign in our hearts, to reign as the king of the spiritual kingdom which he has established within us so that we might live under him in what? In righteousness and innocence and blessedness. So here we should note, we should note what our options really are when it comes to such a thing. For ultimately when our old Adam, our sinful flesh, ultimately when the world, that is those who don't believe in Christ, ultimately when the devil, that is the prince of this world, catches wind of our citizenship in the kingdom of our King Jesus, what happens? What happens? Sedition. That is thoughts, expressions, ideas. Do I really wish to live in holiness, righteousness, and blessedness? What kind of life is that? I want excitement, notoriety, success, and turning to the world and away from our King Jesus. What happens? Well, initially, we do experience that excitement and and notoriety and success, but then over time, over time, the reality of the kingdom in which we have chosen to take part, and that's what we do, the kingdom of this world raises its ugly head and we find out that apart from Christ, here Luther again, apart from Christ, a person is thrown under the heel of any furious tyrant. Tyrants who are not kings, but murderers. Murderers under whom a person must suffer great pain and fear. Those tyrants, the devil himself, our own desires, and those around us, and sin, and the law, and death, and hell, by which our wretched conscience is oppressed and held in harsh confinement, leading to a a bitter and fearful life. So Luther, was he over the top there? I don't think so. For I think all of us know people who live a, a life of embitterment whose daily expressions and communications are nothing but what should have been. How horrible life is now. How everything in life is unjust, stacked against them. How unfair life is. How unlucky they've been. Just how good things could have been if life itself was not somehow working against them. Of course, we all know people who live in fear whose life is spent trying to uncover every last danger that there possibly can be in hopes of discovering them and neutralizing them so that they can live without fear. But then not realizing that such a pursuit 
Such a lifelong pursuit to eliminate fear leads to a paralysis. A paralysis, well, of fear. So, what happens then? What happens if we turn away from these horrible tyrants, these murderers? known as the devil and the world and our flesh. What happens when we repent of our lives and their kingdoms and turn to the king who created us and redeemed us from these kingdoms, rescuing us from them? What happens? Bitterness disappears. And the fear is no more. The bitterness disappears and the fear is no more for faith having welcomed our King Jesus into our hearts, faith having received Christ into our heart becomes the gateway to a new life in the kingdom in which we were created and recreated to be citizens. There sin and death and hell need not be dreaded, need not be feared. Listen up here. For our King Jesus and only our King Jesus is the master over life and death and over sin and grace and over hell and heaven and all things. That's who our master King Jesus, that's who our master King Jesus is. Something to think about. In sports, no matter what the sport, there's always a desire for just such a master Just such an athlete that has such a mastery in the kingdom of that sport isn't there. Ever think about that? Fans who are suffering from heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak, following their team, whether it's in football or basketball or hockey, baseball or soccer, fans always go through a time of suffering of where they think, if only our team had that guy. If only we had Joe Montana. If only we had Michael Jordan. Wayne Gretzky, Nolan Ryan, Nomar, Pele. If only we had that one player who was the master of the sport we love. Then our life would be wonderful. Then we could face every team. Then we could come out on top no matter what the circumstances. If only we had that one player. So sports, you know how it is. What about life? What about the day-to-day? What about the challenge which we do know as the game of life? What about there? For 25 years, from 1986 to 2011, Oprah Winfrey held sway, didn't she? Every afternoon on televisions all across the country, and even eventually all across the world, her show being translated into multiple languages. For an Oprah was found the one, the one with the answers to life problems. The one in whom was wisdom and comfort and guidance. So it was thought. Oprah's popularity alone should tell us that people in general continue to seek for the one, the one whom we can trust to guide and guard and comfort our hearts and minds and souls through our lives. Well, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the one through whom all that was created was created. Jesus Christ, the one through whom we were created. Jesus Christ, who by his spirit has become our king, is the one. 
and the only one who should be that for us. Indeed, that's why he comes to us, sending his spirit to prepare his way in our hearts. So Paul, encouraging the Christians in Ephesus, listen to this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. On this first Sunday of Advent, we would let Christ be our King. We want Him to be our King. Coming to us humbly, pouring out upon us the forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation, which He is, so that He might come and dwell in our hearts, bringing to us, bringing to our inner being the fullness of of God. Anything or anyone else we try to put there will not even come close to what our King Jesus can and, and does do through faith in Him. Anything else, anyone else, will only be a tyrant enslaving us to sin and death and hell. Our King Jesus comes to us to bring us righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We rise and confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.